All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. So many great things to talk about, for sure. Big weekend in Diamond Dog Baseball. I was there to uh, to witness that. We'll, we'll recap the weekend that was. Mississippi State now ranked number two in the country in college baseball, just behind UCLA. UCLA goes on a uh, pretty good weekend themselves. They knock off former number one Oregon State. To, uh, to take over the top spot in most college baseball polls. A couple of the smaller ones have stayed, uh, I think, ranked I've seen one or two that have stayed ranked one. But uh, a big national statement for sure. Uh, the big news on yesterday, Mississippi State men's basketball selected as a fifth seed in the Eastern Regional will be uh, at San Jose, California. I know that's going to be a, a, a very difficult uh, uh, sell to many Bulldog fans to get out there. I know it's going to be difficult for us to cover everything. And that, that's one of the things we were hoping against was a uh, West Coast trip for the men's basketball team. But nevertheless, very happy that the team is uh, is in the field. We'll, we'll break that down, and we'll look ahead to tonight. 
Mississippi State women's basketball will find out their uh, their bracket. We we expect them to, to host the first two rounds. Pretty much a uh, a sure thing there. That it'll be in Starkville this weekend. We're already beginning to make preparations here in town, uh, as uh, Mississippi State staffers are are pretty much well aware that State, uh, projected to be a number one seed, will be hosting the first two rounds here, and then from there we'll find out. And uh, latest in bracketology suggests that. Uh, you know, State's got uh, you know going to have a difficult road ahead of them, but we'll find out officially uh, tonight. I want to thank our fine sponsors, Campus Bookmart, a Stark Villigan institution. Uh, been with me for a long time. Very, very proud to to be affiliated with the fine folks at Campus Bookmart. Many of you bought your textbooks from Campus Bookmart when you were students here at Mississippi State. Now, it's time to outfit your family, your home, your automobile, whatever you have, your pets, with Mississippi State maroon and white merchandise. Rep the brand in every, every way possible. You can do that when you're in town by going by and seeing Stan Ray and the great staff there at Campus Book Mart, or you can just do it online, which is what most people do these days. Go to uh, campusbookmart.net, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, you can get free shipping on all orders over $50. Promo code to pays is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And again, that's free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. So for the first time in a decade, our Bulldogs are, are back in the NCAA men's tournament field. Very, very happy about that. It's almost like a relief, if you know what I'm saying. It's like even though most of the year we, I think we expected to be here, there were times I know State gets down 0-2 in the SEC conference uh, you know, schedule. And I, and I think a lot of us, including myself, felt we were going to be chasing the season. And, but once we got over 500, it kind of felt like, okay, if we can get to the back end of this schedule, it's a little more manageable. Uh, we feel like we've got a chance to, to, to make a solid run in things. And, and so here we are. We are in the NCAA tournament uh, for the first time in a decade. And uh, first round opponent will be uh, Liberty. And I really think State's got a winnable pod out there uh, at San Jose State. I think when you look at that, you say, okay, uh, if you look at all all things combined, this is probably about as good as a deal State could have expected to get as a five seed. So let's look ahead here at our, our first game. will be uh, against the Liberty Flames. You guys uh, may be aware of this. Maybe you're not. Uh, Liberty won a lot of ball games this year. They won the Atlantic Sun Conference. Uh, really good within their league. Really struggled outside the league against the Power Five programs. I think they were 14-4 and four overall in the non-conference. But... They did play a pair of uh, SEC teams, losing 79-70 to at Vanderbilt and then losing 85-75 to Alabama and Huntsville in the Rocket City uh, Classic out there. And they also dropped a 10-point game at Georgetown. They did have one big non-conference win uh, on the road at uh, UCLA, really just destroyed the Bruins 77-58. Now, UCLA... Uh, not an NCAA tournament team this year. They're going to be uh, you know, going through some changes there at that program. They end the year, I guess, 17 and 16. Only three Pac-12 teams made the tournament this year. UCLA, not one of those. And so uh, a quality win nonetheless because you don't expect a school like Liberty to be able to go into a Power 5 program's gym and, and, and win the game, much less just control the game and destroy somebody. And so this Liberty team will come out ready to go. Uh, I think it's a good fit for Mississippi State because when you look at this, this is a, a team Mississippi State should be athletically superior to. Uh, looking through some of the numbers here, uh, they, they're pretty balanced in scoring over there. Scotty James leads them with 13 points a game, but their guy is uh, uh, Caleb Holmesley. Caleb Holmesley, kind of a volume shooter, averages just over 12 points a game, but he, he also has on the year over 100 shots attempted more than the number two guy. So he is a volume shooter. 
another thing interesting, 77% free throw shooting team. Yes, they're, they're a team, they don't get to the line a whole lot, but when they get there, they're, they're, they're pretty consistent there as a team. I think this could be a ball game that uh, could be entertaining. I see some people have already kind of mentioned, well, you know, there's a 12 and a 5 every year. And that's true. And I don't know why we have, feel the need to point that out every year. I think some of this is almost an annual rite of passage where some of it's even scheduled. You know, I think it's one of, some, of those, some of those times they look at that stuff and people think, okay, well, we, you know, we'll just go ahead and um, schedule another 12-5 thing so we can keep it together. I think there's some seeding issues that go along with all of that, if you know what I'm saying. There's just so much of that that um, – it's almost like it becomes a um, a truism in the tournament. It's like uh, people have kind of grown accustomed to this nuance within the deal of a uh, 12-5 deal, so they go ahead and everybody just kind of jumps on board with that again uh, and, and runs through with it. And so a lot of people are already picking uh, Liberty to beat Mississippi State. I think some people do that just to be provocative, and I know Mississippi State fans always kind of rise to the bait. We always, 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 always respond to that. Uh, I think it's better to respond in hindsight, actually. Uh, but the bottom line is this. Uh, State is in the tournament, should have an opportunity to go win this first-round game, and if you look at the way this thing plays out, State could get to the Sweet 16. I think this is a Sweet 16 draw. You know, Mississippi State has not been to the Sweet 16 since we went to the Final Four in 1996. Let that sink in for just a second. 1996. M- m- most of our students weren't even born then. We haven't been in the Sweet Six and win in '95. We lose to UCLA and then we we, we go in '96 and uh, we we'll go to the Final Four. And so that's one of the things I look at. A lot of times our our men's basketball fans we we get we get on our hind legs a little bit and get ready to get out there and and, uh, and get ready to fight, folks. But uh, we have not had a strong run in the NCAA tournament in uh, in quite some time. And so I think uh, we'll take this for what it is. And uh, But I think when you look at this team and the fact that Ben Howland is an NCAA tournament coach, Mississippi State has not made it out of the first weekend since 1996, okay? But Ben Howland has gone to three Final Fours. This is a guy that this is his time of year. And if you look at what Ben did last year with State in the NIT run, you can see I think he, he probably managed the team better than ever in the NIT run last year. And uh, I think that only prepares them for this a little bit better, okay? Uh, one of the good things about this thing, too, is it's a neutral floor for everybody, which is one of the best things about the NCAA tournament on the men's side, for sure. It's because of the fact that uh, nobody has a home court advantage. And if you look at the teams that are playing in this pod, none of them, absolutely none of them, have any connections to San Jose State. you got Vir- get Virginia Tech, you got St. Louis University, you got Mississippi State, and you've got Liberty. Uh, there are not going to be a lot of Liberty fans there. There are not going to be a lot of Mississippi State fans there. And if you look at that pod, it's, it's one of those things that's almost, you look at it, it's, it's almost a little silly because you've got four teams that are going to have to cross the Mississippi River. Uh, I guess St. Louis typically is, uh, you know, they're on the right side, the left side of the river. But my point being is that you have teams, there's not going to be a natural draw other than just going to watch the NCAA tournament. I mean, there, there could be, that could be, a, you know, probably a half-empty arena there because there's not a local draw there. But uh, but all that being said, uh, I think State has a real good chance to advance here because uh, Virginia Tech, I think it's pretty, pretty vulnerable as a four. Uh, I think State matches up pretty well with them. I think it's one of those deals, too, where you look at this thing, you begin to think, all right, uh, you know, State's got a very, very experienced team, and I think last year's postseason run will only help them. I don't think that they will be intimidated by the moment. I think guys like Noir Peters, I think having a chance to finally get on the big stage 
will bring out bring out the better part of his game. I think this is I think they see this will see this as an opportunity to expand the brand of Mississippi State, but also to expand the brand of Lamar Peters and Quindary Witherspoon. I think those guys will have an opportunity now to have finally made it to participate in something grand. And I think they will seize the moment. Now, I don't expect these guys to make a run through the tournament and go win the national championship. That's not what I'm projecting. But I think this is a team that's capable of winning a couple of games in this tournament and uh, and kind of getting this thing back on track. And that was one of the things Eric Coleman said in the media relations or media opportunity last week is that uh, you know him and Quindary came here to to put this program uh, back on the right track. And uh, when those guys came, there wasn't a lot of reasons to come to Mississippi State. Let's be honest about that. Okay, we didn't we didn't have a lot uh, to really speak about. We didn't have a lot of recent success to sell them on. Q, of course, being the Mississippi guy, he saw it as a chance to play big-time basketball close to home. Uh, and then Eric comes in, and, and these guys, have they've done what they've set out to do, probably a year behind what they had envisioned, probably expected to get to the tournament before their senior years, but they're there now. Uh, so, again, I expect State to do well in this tournament. Uh, I don't think that um, Liberty can beat Mississippi State without Mississippi State's help. But they are a team that's won a lot of games this year. So they're not they're not going to be intimidated either. And this is a big moment for them too. They haven't just been sitting around waiting to be sacrificial lambs. They're not the Washington Generals waiting for the Harlem Globetrotters to show up. That's not the reality of things. Uh, should State get out of this pod in San Jose State, in San Jose, California, then uh, they would likely match up with Duke, the uh, number, number one overall seed in the tournament. But I'm not going to think that far ahead. I'm going to think about let's go get a win over Liberty and then, then we'll see what happens. And it, it's going to be nice to hang a banner next year in Humphrey Coliseum again for the first time in a long time for the NCAA tournament for the men. It'd be nice to hang another Sweet 16 banner. I think that'd be a great way to send these guys off. But uh, let's not get the cart before the horse here. Let's go shoot down the flames of Liberty and then go take on the next one. And, I, and I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't rule St. Louis out of that Virginia Tech game. You know, the wild things happen. There's all these – there's all these uh, – this you know subculture of basketball hipsters you know there's a lot of people out there that are, that are they're kind of high on this uh, St. Louis team so it'll be interesting uh, to see how this thing plays out it's one of the best weeks in all of all of sport this week because of so many of these great things that happen uh, you know like with Virginia going down to a 16 seed you know that that, that kind of stuff is just incredible to me uh, and if you're thinking about Virginia they're paired up on the other side in the South region it's the one seed against Gardner Webb. Uh, I don't think you'll see them come out and take anybody for granted this this go around. If they survive that game against Gardner Webb, they'll face either Ole Miss or Oklahoma. An eight nine game, and those eight nine games are always so fun anyway. It, it's uh, that's one of the better things about the tournament. You know, it's outside the up that up, upset to those games that are so evenly matched early on, and everybody's fighting for the opportunity to go play a one. But uh, you know, the SEC well well, well represented within the tournament. There were a few years ago that people were very, very critical uh, of, the NCAA, of the SEC for our non-conference scheduling. The Greg Sankey and the league administrators have taken steps to address that. It's a much more re- well-respected league now. And uh, Auburn, of course, knocks out Tennessee. Tennessee would have been a number one seed had they won the SEC tournament. Ended up as a two seed. It had been Tennessee rather than Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga is vulnerable. It's just my personal opinion. But uh, Tennessee blasted by Auburn and you got to give Auburn a lot of credit they uh they they win that regular season finale and they prevent Tennessee from winning a share of the SEC regular season championship and then they beat them in the SEC tournament championship game denying Tennessee of hanging any SEC hardware 
for the 2019 season. Uh, one of the greatest basketball teams in Tennessee basketball history, and uh, they will not be able to hoist an SEC crown of any kind for this year. And then here they are as the uh, the highest-rated two-seed in the field. Uh, and if you look at their draw, I saw some people complaining about the fact that uh, they'll be in Ohio and have to play Cincinnati in a round-two game, which is essentially a, a home game for Ohio. Well, let me, let me tell you this, Tennessee. Uh, if you're really the two-seed and arguably a one-seed, one of the top five teams in this tournament, it shouldn't matter where you play Cincinnati. It sh- shouldn't, shouldn't matter at all where you play Cincinnati. And I'm sure they'll come out and be ready to go and ready to play. Uh, but I, I don't think uh, playing them on a neutral floor, even if it's in their home state, makes any difference. What happens with LSU will uh, will be rather interesting. You know, LSU gets Yale in the first round game, and uh, you know I don't think anybody's expecting much of a matchup there. But you know LSU looked flat in the SEC tournament. They didn't look to have a lot going for them. Um, you know, and, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. That they would uh, take on probably Maryland in the second round because Maryland will have uh, they'll, they'll play the winner of one of those play-in games and then uh, have an opportunity to play uh, for a chance to go to the Sweet 16. Uh, but the, the whole, the whole, the whole atmosphere around LSU right now is uh, it's one of intrigue because of the the Will Wade situation, and then now there's this whole thing bubbling up with Our Lady of the Lake Hospital about uh, some forensic audit uncovered uh, some employment uh, issues that uh, somehow that they believe are compliance related with LSU. So we'll see how that's, that may not have anything to do with basketball, but the fact that LSU's back in the news again, and with some comments about potential misdeeds is rather interesting. I want to remind you guys when you're in town, Bulldog Burger Company is absolutely the place to go. Bulldog Burger Company, one of the best places to break bread in Stark Vegas. We encourage you to go by find your own favorites. We're there regularly. I enjoy going there. I enjoy the service. I enjoy the selection there because, you know, some days when the kids want that great restaurant quality hamburger and some days you need to treat yourself to that. You know, some days you, you put up with a lot as mom and dad, and, and uh, sometimes it's difficult to find a place that everybody can go and eat. Bulldog Burger is absolutely the place where everybody can go and find something they'll enjoy. Whether you get the Angry Bird salad or whatever, and, and, and maybe maybe you want to have that awesome grilled cheese sandwich. There's so many great options to choose from. Whether it be the chicken wings, the fried pickles, uh, there's something to satisfy the craving of every member of your family at Bulldog Burger Company. So we encourage you to go buy great people, great food, Great selection, great prices. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So I got back uh, yesterday. Would have been a much later night, uh, but uh, they played the doubleheader on Saturday to try to get out in front of some rain on Sunday. And uh, just as we projected on this show, Mississippi State wins the series at Florida. Now, Florida is a very talented team. They have some very young hitters that are kind of figuring this thing out. They will get better as the year goes along, and this series win is going to look even better in hindsight because Florida will likely be a host, a regional host in this tournament. They will put some things together. And if you saw their frontline pitching, you know, I thought Tommy Mace was outstanding on Friday. Uh, State finally gets to him. State knocked Jack Leftwich around the park pretty good yesterday on Saturday. Uh, pardon me. 17 hits in game one. And then um, I don't know if maybe we got a little satisfied between game one and game two. We dropped game two. uh, Very disappointed with that result. Uh, But I'll tell you. And everybody says, well, you know, Steve, it's good to win the series. Well, let me tell you this. They don't pick the SEC champion based on the number of series you win. 
they pick it on how many games you win. So anytime that you have a chance to win a game, you need to win the game. Now, I'm not saying anybody laid down, but I, I think we've got to have a little better killer instinct there. And uh, there were some times in that ball game I felt like some situations got away from us, and we let Florida kind of hang around some. You know, the first the first the first run they score is uh, on a balk. You know, and that's a focus issue. But that's something we'll work through. We've got some guys that are becoming SEC weekend pitchers for the first time, and so not going to sit here and be, be negative about winning that series. But I'll tell you, running some numbers here. Uh, Offensively, we're starting to figure some things out, and that was one of the things that people were concerned about. It's like, you know, Steve, you know, we're, we're, we're pitching it pretty well, and we're playing pretty well, good defense, but we're not hitting baseball. Well, we're hitting baseball. So looking at last week's numbers, and this is all four games, counting the uh, the Grambling game and then the series at Florida. So it's uh, somewhat reasonable numbers when you put all four together. Jake Mangum, 9 for 19 on a week for uh, – and he's hitting 365 now, which is average for the season. Uh, Jordan Westberg, of five of nine, I guess, every week. Is that, that's not right. In, in, anyway, I got, I got my numbers mixed up there. Yeah, five of 19, pardon me, five of 19. Uh, Westberg had a tough weekend at time. Took some uh, called strikes. And I know sometimes he felt like his balls were inside. Yeah, five of 19 for him. Uh, but he'll pick it up. We know what to expect there. And, and Tanner Allen had a very difficult weekend against Maine. One for 12. Responds this week going seven for 17. And uh, hit an absolute Ruthian blast to right field. I mean, it was like one of those big Dave Kingman blasts uh, <laughs> at Wrigley. I mean, absolutely torched that baseball. Big, high, majestic ball got out of there. Um, that was that was one thing about that Saturday game. You had three solo home runs, and I kept thinking, man, they're hitting the ball so well. I just wish there's some people on base. But the shot that Mangum hit was uh, easily easily the longest home run of his college career. I mean, he absolutely torched that baseball. And it's good to get Tanner Allen going again. Elijah McNamee, hot last week, hot again this week. 9 for 17, now leads the team with a 380 batting average. Dustin Skelton did have a day off in the middle of all this thing. Uh, took off game three, did come in and, and pinch hit late in that ball game. And uh, he's 4 for 8 for the week. Justin Foskey, a little bit of a challenging week for him, just 4 of 18. And that's one of the things with him. You know, he, he's uh, six home runs on the year, and uh, he has been the guy hitting behind Mac. And so I think one of the reasons you're seeing McNamee's average climb, there's a couple reasons why. Number one, I believe he's a more disciplined hitter. He's, he's kind of adopted that new batting stance and seeing the baseball a lot better, not trying to do too much. But also he's got you – know, number two thing is Foscue's hitting behind him. So now people are kind of having to address Justin Foscue who is kind of, you know, he's, he platooned some last year, but it's becoming the regular everyday third baseman. They're, they're figuring some things out there. He's got an opportunity to do some big things. So, got five games this week. I'm eager to see these numbers uh, next week. Uh, Josh Hatcher. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Josh Hatcher here. You know, Josh got off to the big start um, last year and then kind of disappeared. And then later in the year, he got some at-bats, and uh, he, he was part of a big rally at Vanderbilt. Uh, it was a great opportunity there for him. And uh, wasn't quite sure what was going to happen with him this year. Well, he's beginning to hit his way into the lineup. He DH some over the weekend, then he started game three in place of Rowdy Jordan. Rowdy, Rowdy has struggled at the plate. Rowdy is one of our most athletic players, one of our better outfielders. Defensively, Rowdy is still probably a little bit better than Josh. But all that said, Josh Hatcher's putting the baseball in play. Josh now hitting 500 on the year. He's played in 10 games, D8 some, but uh, drew the starting left 
in game three, uh, seven for 12 on the week last week. Seven for 12, and that's what, even with him coming out. He missed two at-bats in uh, in game three. We, we pinch hit for him in the seventh inning and uh, with Brad Cumbus, and then that, that spot in order comes back up again in, in the ninth. And so seven for 12 uh, without without the benefit of two of his at-bats. And so when you begin to kind of look at that and say, okay, well, if Josh is beginning to hit the baseball consistently, uh, what does that mean for left field? You know, I still think Rowdy uh, will turn it around. I still, I still believe that, and I think this is a big week for him. I think he 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 needs a couple of good non-conference games. State plays Arkansas Little Rock on Tuesday, and then we'll be at Sanford Wednesday. And my hope is he can kind of get some things going again because we need him. But he's a guy that's got some power from both sides of the plate. You know what Rowdy brought to the table down the stretch last year, and some of our people look at it and say, you know what? Well, Steve, what about this? The thing that I would say is, guys, let's pump the brakes a little bit. We're 18 and two here. Okay, we're 18 and two. Because I'm gonna tell you that we we can pick this thing apart, and we're really we're experts at that. If you guys recall, and uh, Mississippi State was undefeated and ranked number one in the country in football in 2014, and we were still miserable. We were still unhappy, forecasting failure. It's like, well, you know, I know we're number one in the country and undefeated, but, but, you know, and look, look at this thing here, you know. You're a couple pitches away from being undefeated in baseball, being 20, you know, and being number one in the country. But those are the plays that matter. But uh, Rowdy will be fine. You know, I'm, 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 I hate it for Rowdy. Uh, he's playing good defensively, and when he does get on base, he, he's a threat. He, he's, he's a guy that can steal bases. He's a guy with good speed. Uh, but he'll get it going. And um, I, I absolutely hate it when these guys go through stretches. But just as we saw with Tanner Allen a week ago, you know, Tanner was one for 12. And uh, getting out in front on his front foot and popping everything up, and then this, this week he changed it. So hopefully we make an adjustment here. And uh, you know, Gunnar Halter with a big week last week. Not not so much this week. Still three for twelve. I mean, goodness, you know, nobody's going to stay hot forever. But uh, the bottom line is, is that we have a lineup that is consistently beating people. And uh, we hit Florida's Friday and Saturday guys about as well as anybody has. And I think that bodes well for the future because, uh, you know, Sully is the pitching coach at Florida. He recruits these guys. He develops these guys. He calls the pitches. And so not only are you beating their frontline guys, you're beating one of the best pitching coaches in the game on the college level for sure. And so big day, big weekend. Now state's ranked number two. And so now we get ready to go with this thing and uh, excited about what is to come. One of the things that's almost – it's one of those – you look at it on the stat sheet and you think there's no way that's right, but it is. Ethan Small, 30 innings pitch, 51 strikeouts, five walks, a 10 to one strikeout to walk ratio. You know, in the major leagues they want three to one. They're granted they're, they're pitching against much better hitters, but 10 to one that you talk about an anomaly that that's that just jumps off the page. Uh, and we look at what JT Ginn has done. JT Ginn is a guy that I don't I don't know I, I talked to somebody real close to him over the weekend. I think 90 pitches is the most he's ever thrown in a game in his life. Just they they were real careful with him in high school. They didn't overstress his arm and that sort of stuff. And that's one of the reasons why I think he's so fresh, is because of the fact that he he's probably not as arm weary as a lot of guys coming in as freshmen. He also has some magical stuff. One of the things that I love about him is his confidence level. I mean, just watching him on the mound. When Florida got runners at second and third, uh, with less than two outs, and uh, I, I'm thinking, okay, they'll get, they're going to at least get one run here. They'll, they'll get back in the ball game here, and uh, that doesn't happen. <laughs> it just absolutely doesn't happen. Again, shuts them down, and then uh, gets the last hitter to strike out on the uh, 
a slider that uh, ended up in the other batter's box. And uh, that had to be a long walk back to the dugout, but it wasn't for JT because he skipped his all his all the way to the line there. And uh, so when you begin to look at this and say, okay, and there's a thread on the Gene's Page message board right now. Somebody brought it up and said, hey, is this the most complete team ever? I think it's way too early to make those type of characterizations. It's fun to talk about, but I think through 20 games, you could make an argument, this is one of our better teams. Now, we've only got one SEC series under our belt, so the, the proof will be in the SEC pudding. But through 20 games, there's a lot of reason for optimism. We're getting some national respect. We went and won. We, listen, we didn't go beat Possum Neck Tech this weekend. Okay, we went and beat Florida the 2017 national champions. We beat a team that is a consistent powerhouse within this league. We went to their yard and should have swept them. I, I don't think they, they walked out of that weekend feeling like, you know what, we're almost as good as Mississippi State. I don't think they feel that way at all. And, and talking to your players, Elijah McNamee and Jake Mangum, some of those guys, they, they were not happy uh, losing game three. They, they get it. You know, that they thought it was a golden opportunity, and I got a video interview. And, again, we make all this stuff free. All of that, you can go to jeanspage.com right now and go watch that video with Jake Mangum from Friday and watch Elijah McNamee from Saturday and Coach Simonis. We make all that stuff free. You can go watch it right now. You don't have to be a subscriber. You should be, but you don't have to be. We want to share all this information with you as we can because there was nobody down there besides me covering Mississippi State and Florida. And, you know, there's a sense of obligation when big things like this are happening with the Bulldogs, we want to be able to provide this for you. Yes, we have a business to run, but at the end of the day, we're in this business because we enjoy sports, we love Mississippi State, and we care about you all. And so we want you guys to be a part of that. For those of you guys that couldn't come and you couldn't be able to ask the questions and you, you wanted to see the players' reaction, we have that for you, and we make that free. Hadn't always done that, but we do now. And so we encourage you to go over there and go watch this stuff yourself. But I can tell you, your players were not satisfied. They were, they were trying to kind of reconcile within themselves how they, they kind of let one get away. And it's like it's kind of the bad thing about winning the first two in a series. You kind of get out of town on a sour note. You know, if you had won game one, lost game two, and then win game three, you've got this feeling of jubilation, but it doesn't change the way things look in the standings. But you win the first two and you feel like, man, if we can get a sweep right here, how big will this be? This will be such a loud national statement. I still feel like State made that statement, but if it, if you go in there and sweep that, uh, that really puts you a leg up in the race for the SEC championship. And uh, I believe this team is capable of winning an SEC championship and being a top eight national seed. I don't think there's any question State has that type of potential. And we'll see what happens over the course of the next few weekends. But uh, we've got five games this week. And begin to think about that. 18 and two right now. You can put together a four and one, five and zero oh type week. Uh, that's a pretty loud statement right out of the gate. Auburn comes in this weekend. Uh, they're three and zero oh in the conference, and uh, that's one of the things you begin to look around the league. And it, you know, the the West beat up on the East, which I expected that to happen because I don't think the East is quite as strong as people would like for it to be. But just, I mean, looking at the standings here real quick, you know, Georgia is a team that, uh, talking to Aaron Fitt about, Aaron says they have arms. And uh, they do, they're 3-0 and on the weekend and 18-2 and overall. Uh, that'll be an interesting deal. Vanderbilt drops uh, drops 2 of 3 to A&M. So Vandy, the former number one, 1-2 one and two on the week now, 15-5 and five overall. Florida, of course, 1-2 and two and uh, against us. They 2-2 two and two on the week. They're 15-7 and seven overall. 
Tennessee, a lot of people thought this was, uh, you know, going to be a great Tennessee team. Uh, they get off to their best start in uh, in school history and uh, go into the weekend with Auburn, a 13-1 record, get swept. They're now 17-4 overall. That That's State's next road series, just so you guys know, because we'll have Auburn and LSU come in, then we go to Tennessee in three weeks. And I think by the time we get to Tennessee, we're going to have a much better idea of who Tennessee is. I, I am not sold on Tennessee. I think when you go look at their non-conference schedule, you can see why. They, they got some confidence early on, but I don't know that they're, they're ultra-talented. South Carolina... Uh, gets swept over the weekend. They had kind of worked their way back in the top 25. They're 14-6 and six overall. Uh, I'm not sold on the South Carolina thing. I, th- I think their window is kind of closed. You know what I'm saying? I think the rest of the league has kind of caught them. Uh, Coach Mangione in, in Kentucky, they 13-7 um, overall. They get swept by LSU over the weekend. Uh, Missouri, you know, that – Missouri, the worst team in the conference, 0-3, 11-8, uh, Arkansas takes three from them. You know, so you had Auburn, Arkansas, LSU, all three get sweeps over the weekend. And then State and A&M and Ole Miss get two and one. Ole Miss uh, took on Alabama, win that really by one swing of the bat. You know, Ole Miss uh, wins the Friday night deal, I guess, the, for game one of that deal, one nothing. Uh, the the pitching at Ole Miss is a real question mark. It's a real question mark. It's going to be interesting to see how things kind of shake up. But, you know, a good start to the uh, the SEC schedule for Mississippi State. Get a couple weeks into this thing, and things will kind of begin to to take shape here. Uh, Ole Miss will benefit uh, this weekend. They have they're, they're going to be on the road at Missouri, and uh, and if you're Ole Miss, and thank goodness we're not, you've got to go sweep those three because I do not think in many of these 50-50 series that, that Ole Miss is going to be able to win their share of them. A lot of people were high on this Ole Miss team. Uh, I, I remain firmly on the fence, but uh, they will look good this weekend. This this is a very winnable series. Missouri, the worst team in the conference. They should have an opportunity to go up there. Then they head to Arkansas in two weeks, and so uh, that'll be big. And then Florida goes in uh, into Ole Miss after that. So going to be a very interesting month uh, for the Rebels. Uh, Mississippi State, obviously, uh, got some midweek pitching issues uh, to, to work through. To get, I don't mean issues in a negative way. You've got a lot of innings you have to account for because you've got five games this week. That's been uh, the schedule up until last week, and I think this will be one of the last times we do it. But, uh, you know, Peyton Plumlee, and then you'll kind of do a Johnny Holstaff thing, and then and, uh, Eric Sarantola. That's been the way we've done this thing. But uh, they'll manage it a little more carefully, I think, now that we're into SEC weekends because you need as many arms available. And speaking of that, how great was it on Saturday evening to see Riley Self and Spencer Price get back out there and uh, and have decent innings uh, against SEC competition? And one of the things that I have heard about Riley Self is uh, for Riley, it's just going to be about trusting himself and trusting the fact that he is back and just being willing to let it go, that uh, he's going to be fine, that the, the only thing kind of holding him back right now is himself. He just has to – he's working his way in doing bullpens and he's doing his non-conference uh, stuff and then he gets back out there this weekend and and uh, and does a good job for us and so we know what to expect from him it's just going to be a matter of him just learning that it's going to be okay and going out there and pitching his capabilities he led mississippi state in wins last year with five wins in relief okay begin to think about that and just to put that in perspective jt again currently five and zero, so he already has five wins five weeks into the season uh, he's already matched the the season high winning pitcher from last year, and so 
Ethan Small currently 2-0, uh, has had some no decisions there, but uh, obviously, uh, you know, State has uh, has gotten pitching from him good enough to win every time out and uh, gets a couple no decisions there where State kind of puts it together late. Uh, but excited, to say the least, about this baseball team. And I th- and for good reason. You know, we had the discussion going on Gene's page somebody brought up about what's the most complete team ever. And I'll, my opinion, and um, for what that's worth, I, I believe i got to go 89. I think the 1989 Mississippi State baseball team is the best Mississippi State team of all time. The number two team is 85. Now, to put to, to kind of explain to some of you young guys, the 89 team, the 89 team was one of the top teams in the country throughout the season. We, uh, Many people expected us to go to Omaha and win the whole thing. And we got upset in the regional uh, by North Carolina. A little soft toss and left-hander named James Stoden that beat us in two games in the regional. And back in those days, you didn't have a super regional. You won your, your eight-game regional or, or whatever it was. And then, and then you went to uh, – or six-game regional. And you went to, uh, to Omaha. And so – that team, we expected to go to Omaha. They didn't. And what's amazing is we lose so many players off that team, and in 1990, we went to Omaha. But the 89 team, just to kind of give you some names that you would know, uh, just running around the diamond here. You had Tommy Raffo at first, uh, Burke Masters at second, Brad Hildreth at short, uh, Pete Young at third, uh, John Cohen, a guy named Cohen in the outfield, Jody Hurst, Tracy Eccles, uh, Barry Winford behind the plate, Bobby Reed on the hill, Chris George, Tracy Jobes, John Harden, just a great team, Richie Graham, your DH. And we remember those names because those teams mattered to us. The 85 team, of course, uh, the most legendary in Mississippi State history. You know, it's Clark and Palmero and Bobby Thigpen and Jeff Brantley and Gator Thiessen and John Scott and Dan Van Cleve, God rest his soul, Rourke McDonald behind the plate. Yeah, that's a team that should have won the NAFL championship. You know, Nelson Ariete. It's a great team. We should have won the whole thing. Wasn't meant to be. Then I think when you get through those two legendary teams, I think then you begin to look at okay, look at the recent success we've had. Now, you know, you could make the argument, in my mind, I think a 2016 team, if if 2016 played 2013, I'm taking 16 in a two- and three-game series. The 16 team is the one with Dakota Hudson, um, Austin Sexton, and Connor Pilkington is the Sunday guy, you know, Gavin Collins, uh, Ryan Gridley, Hunter Stovall, those guys. You know, I think that 16 team, the fact that we were a national seed and ended up losing to, uh, to Arizona, man, that, that's one of those things that just sticks with you. Absolutely sticks with you. That that's one of our best teams. You know, Reed Humphreys and Jacob Robson. So great teams. Nathaniel Lowe, Jack Kruger. You know, that's a team that I think that you. I think in many respects is comparable to the '89 team. It's a team that was capable of going to Omaha and winning it, and it didn't get to Omaha. That's the year that um, Coastal Carolina wins a national championship, and the fact that they have one and we don't makes me hate the Chanticleers. Then you get in 2013, one of the funnest teams ever. Absolutely loved that summer. It was so much fun to watch that team. You know, Adam Frazier, uh, Brett Pirtle, Wes Ray, Hunter Renfro. It's a great team. And, you know, we didn't have that. And you look at the, the, all the great Mississippi State teams, that's probably the one that didn't have great front line starting pitching. You kind of pieced it together. 
you know, we do Trevor Fitz and then bring in uh, Ross Mitchell or bring in Chad Gerardo, and then you had Jonathan Holder and those guys in the pen holding things down. And, you know, it was a great job. They did putting that thing together. It was a great team. It was so much fun. It was so much fun because nobody expected us to be to be there, and then we were. But one of the teams that I think is one of our most underappreciated teams, and nobody really talks about this team, is the 1997 team. The 1997 team with Chris Reinecke and Matt Ginner, Brooks Bryan, Richard Lee, Adam Pyatt. You know, those are some names that many of our young people haven't truly embraced, and uh, we don't talk about those guys as much. You know. And uh, I look back on that team, and I remember, you know, how great they were. And uh, it was one of those deals where it seemed like we were on the verge of just putting it together and uh, doing some some great things. And um, that's kind of an underappreciated team in our baseball history. And uh, if you love Mississippi State baseball, uh, let me encourage you to do your research a little bit and uh, and find out and get some of these stories about some of these great teams that kind of predated you. You know, and, and uh, when Stark Villains comes out, that book will be out uh, later this year. We'll hope to have it out late spring, early summer. We'll definitely have it out before college football season. I, I pushed it back a little bit because there were some, some interviews I wanted to get. I was having a tough time getting. But the 1970 Mississippi State baseball team is a team that won the SEC championship and then lost in a regional because um, some of our best players couldn't play. And so that team is kind of underappreciated because uh, the next year, 1971, Coach Gregory took Mississippi State to Omaha for the first team. But kind of the first steps towards that goal were taken in 1970. And so it's been one of the joys of my life to kind of get to learn some of that stuff from the players themselves. And uh, if you, and if you haven't done so, let me encourage you to go to StarkVillain.com and order your Stark Villain gear. Because once this book comes out and you read these stories, you're going to want to wrap the brand. You're going to want to identify as a Stark Villain because these are going to be people are going to be heroes in your eyes and some of these are going to be names that you don't really know that well there are going to be some other names maybe you've heard of and other guys you know there's guys like uh you know anthony pegues excuse me Derek pegues anthony dixon get my bulldogs mixed up there uh Derek pegues talks about his recruitment and and about uh that great punt, punt return in the 2007 egg ball and so there's there's going to be a kind of a potpourri of stories you'll be able to hear some big moments uh in through the uh in the words of those players that lived them. But there's some other stories out there that I think are equally as important from some names maybe you're not quite as familiar with, uh, including a guy named Brooks Dunn. And uh, you can do your research on that. But uh, when that when the book comes out, I've, I've interviewed Coach Polk and Brooks Dunn about, uh, about one of the greatest performances in Mississippi State postseason pitching history. An outstanding performance from a guy that uh, didn't have a lot of SEC experience. And so... Uh, excited to be able to bring that to you, but uh, we are experiencing some great times right now in Mississippi State baseball. And uh, it's not just the fact that we've got this new great stadium, but there's a, there's a great team that's playing in it. And so we encourage you to come out and be a part of that. We, we'll play Auburn this weekend, but also go ahead and be prepared. MSU women's basketball is going to uh, to be here as well. And so parking is going to be a bit of a challenge. So go ahead and be prepared for that. Women's basketball parking will, will, will trump baseball parking. And, and we'll, I'll reiterate that on every show, and there will be people that won't understand it. But uh, you're not going to be able to park in the same spot every day. Basketball parking is going to trump. It's as simple as that. So be patient. There's going to be a lot of people on campus. Get here early, and we'll find out tonight. We'll find out tonight what dates we're going to play, what time we're going to play, who all's going to be here. 
It's going to be a good time. There'll be some good teams here. We'll have big crowds. We encourage you to get your tickets if you hadn't done so. Uh, but again, so many great things to look forward to, so many great things to cheer about, so many great things to feel good about if you're if you're a supporter of Mississippi State. Let me also share with you, too, uh, the Boneyard now is available on more platforms than ever before. And uh, I have partnered with a new group, and so you're able to listen to it on iTunes. It's being pushed out in other formats now. And so there was a bit of a transition there. We went to SoundCloud. It's not on SoundCloud anymore. The app is dead. And so, but you can get it on iTunes. Anywhere that you can get podcast, you can get the show. I think it's back on Stitcher now, and uh, I think Overcast has it. And so uh, it's new formats being added every day. Very, very happy to be affiliated with these folks and uh, been able to bring it to you uh, better than ever before. And uh, we expect listenership to go up even more. Boneyard was was doing tremendous numbers. And then uh, we had the changeover with uh, with Sporto, but now with another group and uh, very, very happy with how things are going. So the Boneyard will be here for many years to come. And so I appreciate your support. And your patrons of the Boneyard owe these many years. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.